0: Good morning everyone. Great to see you all. What a blessing. Uh, so good to sing to our Father and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's so good uh, together. We'll be in Matthew 26 if you want to turn there, starting in verse 6. And let's pray. Father, we are so struck by your goodness and your glory today. Thank you for the sun that you caused to shine and your love that you show through your people, through uh, kindness and compassion. Thank you for your mercy and grace and for our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for this world that you've made, for your protection and provision, for this place where we can gather in your name, and for the many servants here who, who really devote themselves to the work of the ministry. And we pray that we would continue to minister and to serve and honor and glorify you. And we pray you would speak to our hearts today that you would just, you would surprise us that even if we had great expectations of you working in and through us, Lord, you would shatter those and show us how much more you will do because you love us and because you have great plans to prosper us in Jesus' name. Amen. I like Good Friday. Good Friday. People think Fridays are basically good to begin with, right? I mean, it's the end of the work week, it's a time to relax. It's like, whew, all right, time for, to catch up on those projects around the house or play some sports, spend time with friends. Or, uh, but Good Friday for a believer is a bit different because it's a day to proclaim and remember the death of Jesus, how he came as a Savior to die for sinners. It was a demonstration of his love. That, that that's the picture of God's love is Jesus coming, dying on our, in our place, we who deserve death uh, for us, so we could live and live with Him. And this was not something Jesus kept a secret from His disciples. He told them what would happen, that this was the purpose, the hour for which he had been sent. And in Matthew 16, 21, it says, from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. He set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem, and he said, this is what's awaiting me there. I came to this world knowing I would go to the cross, but now is the time when he purposed, he set his face like a flint, to go to Jerusalem knowing he would suffer and through his suffering be a redeemer. It's like if sinners were going to be saved, he needed to suffer. On that final trip to Jerusalem, Jesus did many signs and wonders that showed he was the Messiah promised by God, Um, one notable occasion happened in Bethany, where his friend Lazarus was sick and he raised him to life after he had been dead four days in a tomb. Jesus gathered everybody at the tomb and said, you know, he prayed. And he says, I'm praying, this is a very weak paraphrase, but I'm praying so that I'm speaking this out loud so everyone knows that you have sent me. Lazarus, come forth. And the one who was dead came to the the mouth of the tomb, and Jesus said, loose him of those grave clothes and let him go. And many people believed when they saw that, because he had been dead four days, and now he was raised to life, and they recognized Jesus as the Messiah, the Savior, the one who has power over death. Our text begins in Matthew 26, 6, and it's in Bethany, the same city where Lazarus and his sisters Mary and Martha lived together. Matthew 26, starting in verse 6, And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Jesus is at the house of Simon the leper. It's implied that it was a leper who had been cleansed because lepers had to be outside the city. They were not allowed to fraternize with other people. Uh, And the distinctions made because Jesus had two disciples who were named Simon. There was Simon Peter and then Simon the Zealot. So this identified him as being a different Simon, one who had been a leper, And while he was at the house, the Gospel of John reveals that this woman who poured that oil on Jesus was Mary, the sister of Lazarus. And she had this alabaster flask of very expensive oil. It was oil so valuable, it was an heirloom, it was something you would save for your own funeral. The disciples of Jesus, they valued it at 300 denarii, which is... And one denarii was, a denarius was a day's wage. So it was like, if you were a laborer and you worked all year, that's how much it would cost. You think of saving up all your allowance for the whole year to buy one thing, or all your wages for the whole year, and buying one article. This was it. It was that valuable. It was that precious. In that day, it was good manners when you have, you know, in our day, it's like, Would you like tea or coffee? Could I offer you a drink when someone comes into your house? There, they would wash their feet. They would anoint them with a dab of oil that would refresh them after their journey. Uh, And so when I looked online to see when you buy spike nard, or nard as it's called, um, it's sold in 5 mil and 10 mil with a little eyedropper. That's how you buy it now. So she had a pound of it. That's 450 mils. She did not dab it on him. She poured it all on him. So there, the disciples are like, whoa, whoa. You didn't have to use that much. Why did you waste that? I mean, if you were just going to pour it all out at one time, why not sell it, take the money and give it to the poor who need it? Think of the whole room just filling with the fragrance and the disciples going, what is she doing? That is really expensive stuff. Verse 10, but when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Jesus called out the disciples for criticizing Mary. Really, is there any gift that's too valuable, too lavish to give to God? Jesus is good. Mary had done a good work for him. Jesus, his life on earth was temporary and the poor would still be around. If they really cared about the poor, they would have plenty of opportunities to help them, to give to them. They imagine Mary didn't know the real value of that oil, but the reality was Mary was the only one who recognized the value of Christ. She valued Him for who He was, the Son of God, and that He's worthy of our best and our all. She didn't just give Him some of the oil and say, well, I'm going to die someday too, so I'd like to have some of that for me. She poured it all out on Jesus, and it wasn't wasted because He's worthy of that. She poured it all out. It's like saving that, hoarding it would have been a waste of an opportunity to bless Jesus. So she was thinking in a totally different way from all the other disciples. When we're first introduced to Mary, they had invited Jesus, Mary and Martha invited Jesus into their house. And Martha, it says, was distracted by much serving while Mary sat at his feet and heard his word. And Martha, after she's working in the kitchen or doing whatever she's doing to prepare, um, she's a bit put out that Mary's not doing anything And she's doing all the work. And so she starts scolding Jesus and saying, Jesus, tell her to do something. I'm doing all the work. And what did Jesus say in Luke 10, 41 and 42? Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. She chose the good part that was needed to sit at the feet of Jesus, to hear his word. So it's no surprise she did a good work in anointing him. Like those are connected. She listened to him. She believed him and she responded to him. I think to many, Mary seemed like a teacher's pet. Like she's just kissing up to him. She's just trying to impress us. But Jesus knew her heart, that it wasn't just a thank you for resurrecting Lazarus from the dead or raising him from the dead or um, out of selfish ambition to try to find favor with him, to impress everyone around. She anointed Jesus for his burial. She did it with that purpose in mind. That requires faith that Jesus was indeed going to die, that he was going to be buried. He was going to rise from the grave. Jesus says this in Mark 14, 8, she has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. The things that people saw as a waste, there was a purpose guided by faith in Christ. She poured out what the disciples valued most because Jesus was the one she valued the most. And it's a good question do we do what we can for Jesus? He's like, she did what she could do you do what you can for Jesus? Having been born again by faith, having been anointed by the Holy Spirit, who is priceless, we can do all things heartily as unto the Lord for His glory, to pour out ourselves in thankfulness to Him. And whether it's loving your spouse or obeying your parents or your boss or helping the needy or serving one another in love, In our service, we're actually serving Christ, and he receives that as done unto him, which is really neat. And he says, assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Now, a memorial, what does that serve? It, It exists to remind us of a person or an event or deed done in the past. And the Bible's full of these memorials, like the rainbow. That was a token of the covenant that God made with Noah and all the living creatures that I will never flood the earth to destroy it with water again. The Passover, that was a memorial. It was to remind the children of Israel that he had delivered the firstborn who had put the blood over the doorpost and lintel of their houses and had destroyed the firstborn of the Egyptians. God, he thundered against the Philistines when they uh, were a bit unprepared for battle. And they set up this rock called Ebenezer and said, see, God has helped us. It reminded them of God's power to deliver them when they were powerless, when they had no help and there was no answer, they turned to the Lord and he saved them. So they have all these memorials in their history. And Jesus says, what Mary did in pouring this oil out on me, it's going to be remembered forever. I'm gonna remember it and it's gonna be proclaimed forever. And it's a memorial of what faith looks like in Jesus, which is central to the gospel. Trusting Jesus, obeying Jesus, honoring Jesus, giving our all to Christ. Mary anointed Jesus for his burial before he died. Just think about that. He wasn't even dead. (laughs) We would wait, right? We would say, okay, I have this great gift. I just want to make sure I'm not wasting it. That's how we would think. But she poured it out while he was alive, at the peak of his fame, when it seemed like, I mean, people were gathering around saying, let's make this guy king. He is amazing, his wisdom, his power. No one's like him. That's when she anointed him. She poured out that precious oil while he lived, and the words of Jesus would come to pass. A week later, he had ridden into Jerusalem on a donkey. He had cleansed the temple. He observed the Passover. He was betrayed he was arrested, he was scourged, he was brought before Pilate who released Barabbas instead of Christ and uh, put sentence upon Christ to be crucified because the people were baying for his blood. Now this perspective of Christ, we see it, he did nothing wrong, he was mocked, he was scorned in Isaiah 55-7. Says, The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. We see such faith in Christ facing his suffering, knowing that he would go to the cross. And he did so knowing I'm not going to be ashamed. It's a shameful, humiliating thing that I'm going to face, but God's purposes will be accomplished. Salvation and atonement will be made. And in being lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. So he made a way of salvation that we can look to Jesus in faith and be saved. On Christ was laid the iniquity of us all and he poured out his soul unto death even the death of the cross, the justice of God satisfied, the souls by the gospel forgiven and saved. Think about Jesus also on the cross. He has forgiveness on his lips. He's saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoting the first line of Psalm 22, which is a very powerful depiction of crucifixion, long before it ever happened. And finally, all was fulfilled. He said, it is finished. He breathed his last and gave up his spirit. And in living and dying, he demonstrated total faith in God to deliver him. The earthquake, the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. It said that some believers uh, came out of the graves and appeared after the resurrection of Christ. Jesus' disciples, though, they had fled. There was a ruler named Joseph of Arimathea of the Jews who came and begged for the body of Christ in Matthew 27, starting in verse 57. Now, when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock, and he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. Jesus was confirmed dead by the Romans. He was buried in this tomb wrapped in linen and spices, and the door was sealed. That large stone rolled across the opening. And John tells us the Jews, they suspected that the disciples of Jesus were going to steal the body. So they said, we don't want this deceivers uh, to keep deceiving from the grave that He's risen from the dead, so let's make this this, uh, tomb secure. And Pilate says, make it as secure as you know how. And they did. They had guards and a seal there. And that's how Good Friday concluded. It concluded with the sun setting on a closed tomb, with a seal being placed on the door, with guards assembling to protect it. His enemies were rejoicing. His disciples were weeping and mourning with grief. They were afraid. In their minds, they're thinking, we could be next. But we, believers, were not in suspense about what happened because we know Jesus rose from the dead, that he lives. He has the power to forgive sins, to overcome death, to provide eternal life. And the death of Jesus is critical to the gospel message because if Jesus did not die, he did not rise. And if he did not rise, we are still dead in sins and our faith is worthless. Today we remember we celebrate our Savior who poured himself out unto death, and may we pour all praise and honor and thanksgiving to him, just like Mary did with that precious oil to anoint him. Could you turn in your Bibles to Psalm 118, starting in verse 23? We are so blessed to have a Savior, We can take that for granted, that we have a Savior, that we are being saved. He died so we can be born again. He went to the grave so we can live in heaven with him forever, so that we can have his presence within us right now. That Jesus, he's the door through whom we enter by faith into eternal life. And through him, we're deemed righteous. We are saved We're adopted as God's sons and daughters. We were destined for destruction, but now we've been delivered. And that is something we should always rejoice in, in in our Savior who gives us all good things. Psalm 118, starting in verse 23. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I pray. O Lord, O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord, and he has given us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Do you see all those references to Christ in this passage? This is the Lord's doing, that cornerstone being established. He's come in the name of the Lord. That's what the people shouted when he came in riding on that donkey, that triumphal entry. He is the light, the light of the world who has shined in the darkness. He is the sacrifice for sin that was accepted by God. He endured sorrow and suffering so we can rejoice today in his salvation. So the first question is have you received the gift of salvation through faith in Jesus? Have you trusted in him? And are you walking in the light of his resurrection, that power that he showed over sin and death? That that's the power that's now at work in us through the Holy Spirit who fills us, who anoints us. We are now the temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Let's bless the Lord. Let's praise Him. Let's thank Him for what He's accomplished. Let's pour ourselves out to Him as His memorial. Not so we would be remembered, but that His name would be remembered and proclaimed because He is worthy to be worshiped and praised. What a Savior. Let's thank Him. Thank You, Lord, for providing for our needs, for delivering us from sin and death, for this day that we can set apart to remember the death of Christ, his burial, looking toward the resurrection, knowing what you did in raising him and in raising him, showing that we can have salvation through him. We can have forgiveness. Lord, may the light of his resurrected glory shine through us, through these broken vessels, that you would shine your glory so that you would be praised. Lord, pour us out as offerings before you, may our, the words of our mouth and our meditations of our heart be pleasing in your sight. Fill us with great joy to consider these things and to remember the price you paid because you love us, because Jesus was obedient to suffer. And in our sufferings, Lord, we thank you there is purpose and there is a plan that you have in them, that you will redeem them for good for all who trust in you. I thank you for my brothers and sisters for this uh, word this morning for your gospel, for Mary's example, and the example of Jesus who, who trusted you, who said, I will not be ashamed. Thank you for taking away our shame, Lord. Thank you for removing our guilt and for accepting us into the beloved, for giving us new life, a hope, and deliverance. In Jesus' name, amen.